0: As a foundation, we have a responsibility to make that efficient and something that will have impact. Welcome to ICANN, a podcast about ophthalmology through a uniquely Canadian lens with Dr. Cedare Ziai and myself, Dr. Guillermo Rocha.
1: This season, we have two new co-hosts joining us, Dr. Mona Dagger and Dr. Hadith Saheb. They'll be hosting upcoming episodes throughout the season. Season three of the ICANN podcast is brought to you by Bayer Ophthalmology. Thank you for your support. On this episode of ICANN, we are excited to introduce our listeners to... The Canadian Ophthalmological Society Foundation. And we are so lucky to have my dear friend and ICANN podcast co host, Dr. Guillermo Rocha, here with us today. He is the president of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society Foundation, and he's going to tell us all about the history of the COS, the foundation, when it started, what you guys are working on, and what we want you all to know about the foundation. Dr. Rocha, many of you will know him listening to this podcast. He is originally from Mexico City. He trained in ophthalmology at McGill University and has completed subspecialty training in ocular immunology and inflammation at McGill, as well as a fellowship in cornea and external diseases at the University of South Florida in Tampa. He also completed the Physician CEO Executive Program at the Kellogg School of Management in 2016 and the Foundations of Clinical Research Certification Program at Harvard Medical School in 2022. He is professor of ophthalmology at the university of manitoba and the president of the cos foundation past president of the canadian ophthalmological society and that was between 2016 and 2018 i remember those days really well as well as past president of the canadian cornea external disease and refractive surgery society in 1995 guillermo was awarded the canadian society for clinical investigation medical research council of canada resident research award for his work on the causative factors of ocular inflammation. He was also the recipient of the Lieutenant Governor of Manitoba Eye Care Award for 2014. The year after, he was recognized as one of the 10 most successful Mexicans in Canada, followed by an award as one of the 10 most influential Hispanic Canadians in 2016. Dr. Rocha performs anterior segment refractive and corneal surgeries. He is my favorite Mexican in Canada for sure. <laughs> Probably my favorite <laughs> Mexican in the world. I'm so happy to have you join us today, my dear friend, and I can co-host Guillermo. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Terry. Yeah, this is uh this is something I think it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, share some ideas. And it is, it is so great to have you as my interviewer. So I'm a bit more relaxed, I guess. And uh, I, I really appreciate your introduction. Thank you so much.
1: You're so welcome. And I remember we had the tables turned um, about a year and a half ago when um, we flipped, we flipped spots. And so now it's my turn. And I'm so happy to be able to do this with you um, today.
0: Exactly. Um, You know,
1: I think a lot of people um, haven't really heard much about the COS Foundation. And so Mm -hmm. I think this is an excellent opportunity to you know, raise awareness about the foundation and you know get the word out there about what the foundation does and and what our goals are. Um do you want to just tell us a little bit about the history of the foundation and where where and how it all started? And I know that recently it's become more active. So maybe we'll start with the history and then we'll move into you know more recent days.
0: Yes. So you know I, I think every every um society as it as it develops and it grows Um, has to sort of seek new projects and and evolve into different aspects. Um, I remember when I was a resident uh, a few years ago uh, that the COS simply meant possibly the journal, the CJO journal, that's fine, but also it meant just the annual meeting. And I remember when I first moved to Manitoba back in 1998, a couple of years later, I was invited to participate in the um, in the board as kind of representing community ophthalmologists, because I was here in, in Brandon, Manitoba. And, and there was no foundation at that time. But we started seeing other organizations internationally um, develop these aspects of, of giving. And how do you recognize people or recognize students or researchers? And so the foundation as the COS Foundation properly uh, was established in 2011 with its first president, who was uh, Dr. Francois Coderre from Montreal. And um, so that kind of triggered a moment in time where, yes, there was a foundation. It held some projects, some collection of funds, um, but it sort of was the beginning. It was the seed that sort of grew into into other things. It has now been around for 12 years, but we really saw a great evolution over the past, I would say, four to five years um, in terms of the different projects that it has developed. So that's sort of a little bit of of the history. And I think it has to do with that evolution of the parent or mother society where it kind of sprung from.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I've been involved um, formally with the COS for about five or six years, but less formally for about 10 or 12. And you're right. I hadn't really heard about the foundation either until the past few years. And ironically, the past few years is COVID, right? And so um, let's talk a little bit about that. How did the foundation manage to, you know, become sort of better known during COVID? What, and you must have had mm-hmm. so many challenges. And maybe those challenges allowed the COS foundation to flourish in a way can you tell us a little bit about what happened during COVID with the with the foundation? It must have had a big impact on how how fundraising was going.
0: Yes, I mean the. Uh- the fundraiser for the foundation, we, we did not have a click button for the foundation even. It was sort of occasionally industry, occasionally people that would donate certain amounts of money. And just before I became president of the COS Foundation, a uh, an award was kind of established with the Stein family, the uh, Innovator Lectureship Award, which has become a yearly presentation Um, at the COS annual meeting. And that was a a big influx of, of cash that sort of kind of raised the profile of the foundation. It established a link between the foundation itself with the COS proper. In terms of education and in terms of a specific purpose, which was innovation, I remember I stepped down as president of the COS in 2018, and by that time, <laughs> I had been I had been on a number of roles, and uh, when I was approached to continue as COS uh, Foundation President, I, I kind of sort of hummed and hawed because I, I really have never been good at raising money, and and it was wasn't kind of on my radar. I hadn't been involved with foundations at all, um, but it it kind of, maybe a bit selfishly, it was a way to stay connected to all the wonderful people I had met through the years, to stay in tune with what was happening in ophthalmology in Canada, and also I thought a way to kind of give back in a different, in a different way. So I sort of considered what was our current board membership, and I, they were all people, they're all people with whom I work really well. And um, and so we said, okay, we'll start with this. And we, we really didn't have much direction. There were big efforts in advocacy at the time, if you recall. So we did have click boxes in the uh, registration or in the membership pages for advocacy. But still, we didn't have any big presence as a foundation. And then COVID hit. You know, there's there's a saying, and it's attributed to many different people, but never let a crisis go to waste. And um, so, yes, it is difficult when people are having trouble to ask for money or to develop other projects. But what we did was actually regroup, and we had a series of strategic meetings. And we changed a few things. So we kind of rebranded our mission. We worked with designers with the help of the COS in terms of the logo for the foundation and a letterhead that would kind of change the presence. And we established and we defined four specific projects. Because I think I think it's very important, if you have a, a foundation and you're collecting money, everybody wants to kind of give something and give something back. But we, as a foundation, we have a responsibility to make that efficient and something that will have impact. So we narrowed it down to, first, the awards. So one was the Harold Stein Innovator Lectureship Award, which has been continuing, as I mentioned. The second was a project called Honor a Mentor. So all of us have been influenced by different people throughout our lives. And so we established this this project of honoring a mentor with just a short Uh, kind of uh, verbiage or paragraph. Um, And then we decided to move on to access to care and then a global perspective. And so all of these have sort of taken off to a greater or lesser degree And um, in particular, I would say the award section has been very impactful during the annual meeting. The honor a mentor, I would encourage our listeners to think of who has been influential in your life. And um, that is an aspect that we still need development uh, in in the foundation. And then I can offer two specific projects that we're doing. As I mentioned, the access to care includes a subsection of access to vision care, preservation of sight, elimination of preventable blindness, and adherence to treatments. And we can talk more a little bit about this. Um, In terms of the global initiatives, to be honest with you, we thought this was kind of, yeah, you know what, let's, let's put it as a, as a section, because I think we'll have to get to this in the future. Um, and, um, and that actually has been an aspect that has really, really taken over. So that's what we did during the pandemic. We kind of said, let's use this time to regroup, to rebrand, to kind of repurpose our, our mission and be ready for when we come out of the pandemic.
1: Okay, that's great. So um, can we break this down a little bit just to Mm -hmm. make it clearer? So Eyes on Ukraine, I feel like I have a really good handle on what this is, and when it started and how incredibly well it has done with uh, the work of yourself and a few other COS members um, but do you want to just tell the audience quickly about Eyes on Ukraine? Because then I want to go back into the awards. And I really mm-hmm. do want to talk about the Honor a Mentor, because I think this is going to be huge once once people understand what it is. I think if we get mm-hmm. the word out, everyone's going to love this project. So let's start mm-hmm. with Ukraine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly, it falls into the global perspective. So originally, when we got together, we said global. Yeah, let's have impact on uh, international ophthalmologists or ophthalmology programs. And and sure, it was a very general term. But then, you know, as things happen, all of a sudden in February of last year, the war on Ukraine started. And um, I think there was a general feeling from many people of how can we help? What can we do? And I was approached by the Eyes on Ukraine group, which was actually triggered by a ophthalmology resident from the University of uh, Calgary, Dr. Michael Kristalsky, in coordination with one of our COS members, uh, Dr. Larissa Dersko-Zulinski from Toronto, and they had sort of gathered a group of Ukrainian Canadian ophthalmologists, whom we all know, there's a a large, large group who had the interest, had people that were kind of wanting to donate money, instrumentation, supplies to the efforts, the medical efforts uh, in Ukraine. And so they kind of needed a a vehicle to, to crystallized this in a different way. They kind of needed a sponsor or a collaborator to give more credibility to the group as they presented it. And so that put us on overdrive. I I cannot mention how much the the COS itself helped us establish new links to receive money, whether by credit card or check or wire transfer or PayPal, any way we had. So because we had a lot of influx coming in. And to give you an idea, over the past year, the combination of this group, in particular, the the, the uh, efforts of Eyes on Ukraine have resulted in close to $1 million of wow. in-kind donations from industry, close to $75,000 directly through the COS, Foundation. And um, the group itself, led by Dr. Krasalski's efforts, has received the Queen's Jubilee Medal from the Minister of Health in Alberta, uh, in addition to the Secretariat Award from the American Academy of Ophthalmology. Um, There's been an incredible participation on all fronts, including the translation to Ukrainian of a trauma manual in conjunction with uh, U.S ophthalmologists. There have been efforts in teleophthalmology and telemedicine assisting people on the ground. And it is really an incredible story of what the eyes on Ukraine have been able to do. And even though we're kind of a small vector in in facilitating this, I feel very proud as well about the efforts of the COS Foundation in in collaborating and in, in helping a little bit in all of these major efforts so you know that's one one example of something where we thought yeah this is something for the long term and all of a sudden we're thrown into this and we had to go on overdrive
1: yeah wonderful and it's a really good example of how um, a group of people can come uh, and and then come together and with the help of the COS, because often it helps to have you know an umbrella and a little umbrella to to be under and to work together um, for exactly this, this huge success um, and ongoing right. I think Brain is ongoing. Oh
0: yeah, it's ongoing and it keeps growing. And I was at one of the presentations at our last annual meeting there in Quebec City, and and it just. Gives you goosebumps just to mm-hmm. see all the efforts and all the impact that this has had. I can wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca, and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes.
1: Hi, I'm David Maberly, and I listen to the I Can podcast. Can we move on? I want to talk about <laughs> awards. So mm-hmm. you said awards briefly. Um, tell me what you mean. Which awards? Um, what? 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 What can we do to educate people? And how can we? How can we help nominate people and give awards?
0: Well, uh, the main award we have right now, and it has been established, and it, it's sort of a collaboration between the COS Foundation and the COS Proper, uh, is the Harold Stein Lectureship Award. This year, we had Dr. Uh, Shigeru Kinoshita mm-hmm. from Japan, who's a leader in, I, I almost call it science fiction of, of corneal endothelial disease, mm-hmm. I and mean, it's amazing what he has been doing. So what we're really referring to more in terms of awards, I think, would be other two other categories. One is the uh, honor a mentor, um, where an individual would recognize someone who has been important in their lives and uh, issue a a collaboration or a donation in that person's honor. And so this sort of, I think, raises awareness of the people who have been important in our lives. And it also... um, recognizes that we're not just sort of opening ground right now, but we're really following on other people's footsteps. And uh, I think it probably will create an even bigger or larger sense of community within the COS uh, membership. So what I would encourage our listeners to know is that that is a way of recognizing someone who has been important, but it also will translate itself in some of the projects that we're doing. And one of the projects that we're doing along the lines of the award is we um, collaborated with a group of medical students who are interested in uh, ophthalmology, as well as c which is the ophthalmology residence in Canada. And um, there, uh, this year, the first medical student symposium was organized on the first day of the COS with great attendance. And we established at that point the first COS Foundation um, keynote speaker. This year was Dr. Agnes uh, Wong, uh, focusing on compassion, and it was a truly amazing lecture. And we also, through the COS Foundation, sponsored 10 students uh, to uh, have their registration covered for the COS annual meeting. And we really did... um, Uh, collaboration with the the group of residents and the medical students in terms of following a really good process. People had to submit their interest, why they thought they qualified for this uh, travel or for this registration award. And uh, we got so many submissions, all great individuals, and eventually had to narrow it down to those 10 people as well. So this is sort of something locally, but I think for the future, I would love to see where we can offer some of these things to international students or international researchers in a more organized way.
1: Yeah, that was a great half day. Um, You probably know this, but our listeners may not know that the medical student symposium actually sold out. um, Wow. And there was a waiting list of medical students. Uh, We just didn't have the space. I think we we were anticipating it to be great, but maybe not to sell out. And so Mm -hmm. um, we'll we'll see what happens with that in future years. And I know how much CCOR appreciated the foundation's support in building this first medical student symposium half day. Um,
0: Excellent. Yeah, and I know you've been working a lot very closely with them as well. So um, (laughs) yeah, it was a true collaborative effort.
1: Yeah, I'm most excited about this Honor a Mentor, which mm-hmm. seems to me like it's a newish project, I think, mm-hmm. it's, which is why I just want to spend another one minute on it. So you can sure. talk about it briefly, but I just want to reiterate. So this is an opportunity to recognize a mentor or mm-hmm. um, a hero or a champion or someone who has touched you in your a trajectory in ophthalmology mm-hmm. and at the same time make a donation in their honor to the foundation I think this is amazing exactly. because um we don't thank those people enough and ophthalmology is such a niche specialty that um mm-hmm. I think every single one of us probably had one or two um people who championed our path it's, and so exactly um I I hope to see this project, grow and expand Mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully some of our listeners will um, you know, be interested in this and spread the word around uh, to okay. sort of honor and it doesn't have to be someone who's retiring or who's leaving. It's not the same thing as a lifetime. No, no. It, but it's <laughs> just a small recognition, exactly. I think. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And
0: but- we're gonna we'll try to make it easier as well. You know, just a few clicks where people are not having a lot of uh, trouble getting a photograph or writing, you know, it has to be a simple right. process through the website. So one of those, that's one of the goals uh, over the next several months.
1: Wonderful. Um, I do want to spend one a few mm-hmm. minutes talking about who is working so hard with you on this foundation. So I know there is a board of directors, a lot of the names we recognize, Dr. Andrew Budning, Dr. Yvonne mm-hmm. Bice, Dr. Paul Ray Fuse. Um, is that the board or did I miss anybody on the board? Who else do we want to recognize who's been contributing and helping on a regular basis?
0: Well, Elizabeth Fowler and Kim Teitler from um the COS uh, COS itself Mm -hmm. I mean they have been incredible incredible in terms of helping us uh kind of launch all of these projects they have been working tirelessly
1: wonderful and then are you guys looking for volunteers or are you do you have any succession planning um for the board what is the situation Mm -hmm. or is it just like you know this group is going to stay this way for a few years
0: well I I think that's a very interesting question because um we have seen not only the change with the projects that I've been describing, but also with, it's almost like like uh, we are growing to the level where we need to start becoming a little bit more independent. You know, I guess like a child who grows into adolescence. I don't know if we're in adolescence equivalent yeah. right now uh, or or not, but basically I think in terms of the future. We would like to define governance a little bit better and define terms of office. Obviously, we're all enjoying what we're doing, and so we want to see many of these projects continue. But I think there's always uh, an important thing about bringing in fresh blood, fresh ideas, and moving forward. So we have started working towards that. Uh, in the sense that we have now established a proper agreement with the COS itself, and the hope for the future would be that at some point, the foundation is kind of a, a standalone entity. And when that happens, I mean, as we get through that process, we certainly need all the help we can get in some of these projects. Um I think the evolution would be that eventually we have a close link in terms of values, in terms of, of mission uh, with the COS, which is aligned, but we should be more independent in terms of our administrative team and focusing more on fundraising. That also brings about the responsibility of having proper uh, programs. Um I would like to mention that all of this also has been driven by our access to care projects where we have been collaborating both with industry, but also with Orbis in establishing two pilot clinics, in um, one in Thunder Bay and the other one in uh, Dawson Creek in BC. Um, and so we start to see how the impact of donations and, uh, and, and how we can sort of contribute in specific projects for equipment, for example, or or different establishment of of projects or pilot clinics um, that will have bearing on the access of care of individuals who live in remote areas or even in underserved areas within a city with marginalized populations as well. So I think in answer to your question, we enjoy what we're doing. But I think it has to evolve and we would like it to evolve. And uh, if anyone out there is listening and has ideas on how they could collaborate, how they can contribute, uh, we would be really happy to uh, entertain those ideas.
1: Okay, wonderful. And so um, how where do people get more information? And even just if, say somebody wants to honor a mentor tomorrow, mm-hmm. how do we do that?
0: They would go into the website. So the COS uh, has a link to the COS foundation website. And um, if they have any trouble, no worries. We are actually actively working on improving the uh, website over the next several weeks to months.
1: Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Mm Um, So, Guillermo, you may or may not know this, but on this podcast, when we near the end of an episode, we like to close the episode by asking our guests about some of their outside of professional activities. Do you recall that question? (laughs) Not really.
0: No, that takes me by surprise completely.
1: (laughs) Listen, I know you've had a lot going on in the past, I would say, year and a half. (laughs) Um, What do you want to tell us? What are you doing? What books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? What's going on?
0: (laughs) A lot, a lot is going on. A lot is going on. Exciting things. Um, This point, you know, things that I like to do, I I, I like to kind of stay or stick to a, a good exercise routine. I'm not... Uh, completely obsessed with it but I I do like to be fairly regular I love biking and I love swimming Um, I listen to a lot of books because I drive quite a bit here in the prairies. so I love thrillers and I especially love some uh, Spanish and Mexican authors who write very engaging very intense books and mostly they always have a twist they always are kind of thrillers and I love listening or reading in Spanish because that that kind of helped me helps me uh, stay on top of all the vocabulary but I would say I would say that the most exciting thing that has happened is is uh, being a grandpa, and mm-hmm. so I think that's the priority for me right now. And I don't get enough of our little almost uh, one year old uh, grandson. So I'm looking forward to every time we see them or they visit us.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Guillermo, and congratulations on becoming a grandfather. I hear <laughs> being a grandparent is even better than being a parent. So, oh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Can't get enough was, of that.
1: Was there any? Was there anything else you wanted to add um, that you wanted to share with the listeners?
0: No, I th- I think you know the 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 purpose of the foundation. As I said, I I got into it without really knowing what I was getting myself into. I have been incredibly uh, excited about the level of participation, the commitment. The, the work of so many volunteers, both at the COS level and then in, in our um, in, dealings with different individuals through the COS Foundation as well. I think we all, have, we all have this need to give back. We are very lucky to live in a country like Canada, to practice a specialty that is really so cool that I think at some point, once we cover our bases and our basics, Uh, I think it's so important to give back in an organized and efficient manner. And um, if the group of us at the COS Foundation Board can do a little bit or can facilitate some of those intentions for some of our members, I, I think then there is a true purpose to the COS Foundation.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Guillermo. And it was such a pleasure to have you on on the other side.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, Serre. Always a pleasure. I can wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes.
1: Season three of the ICANN podcast is brought to you by Bayer Ophthalmology. Thank you for your support.
0: Thank you to the Canadian Ophthalmological Society.
1: The ICANN podcast is written and directed by Kim Teitler and produced by John Allaire from Allaire Strategic Works.